Hello, folks, and welcome to this next episode of my podcast. This is your friendly neighborhood studio man, Nick Drawsup, and I'll be acting as your host. Now, the podcast has taken on a new sense of direction, and I'm going to address that in just a second here. The show was formerly known as Duets from the Trenches, Musicians You Should Know. It was an interview-based project. I totally embraced what I was trying to accomplish with that format, but I ran into unexpected difficulties. So the need for some changes had to go into play, but I think this will be for the better and uh, still allow me to adhere to my central theme. My central theme? Well, that was to help other musicians by adding yet another venue, however tiny, in my little podcast to get their voices heard by more people. This is still what I want to try to do. I'm doing things a little differently now, however. First, is the show is now called the Variable D Postulate Ensemble Projects. Just Variable D Postulate Ensemble Projects. Yes, I will be featuring some of my own work. Second, I will not be using interviews as a central structure of the show. While there might be some interviews on occasion, they will only be occasional. Third, the main theme for the show is to feature and promote the work of three artists per show and help promote whatever it is they're developing at the time. Before we get started, I want to do my usual shout-out to the two companies I currently endorse. I play custom-designed wedge trumpet mouthpieces created by Dave Harrison of British Columbia, Canada. Just go to www.wedgemouthpiece.com to find out more. I also play gets and trumpets, from bass trumpet to piccolo. Gets and trumpets are wonderful instruments, and the company provides a great variety to cover the needs from students to pros. They also have the best valve blocks in the business. Just contact your local music instrument supplier for more info. Today I'm going to have a bit of an editorial discussion. I'm going to save that for the end of the show. I'll try not to let it go too long, but I think it needs to be discussed. For now, on to the show. Today's artists are Phil Thiel, classical jazz trumpet player and music contractor, Brass in the Past, a top-flight rock-funk soul band, and Natalie Landy, a brilliant up-and-coming saxophone player and composer. As mentioned in the setup for today's show, the new format of my podcast will include a wide variety of music, classical, rock, jazz, whatever. Today's classical portion features the music and business of trumpeter, arranger, copyist, composer, educator, and music contractor, Phil Thiel. In addition to wearing many hats as a trumpeter, Phil is a dear friend of many, many years. As well as being a top-flight classical trumpet player, as you'll hear from today's tracks, Phil is also an excellent jazz trumpeter and lead trumpet player. Like most freelance musicians today, Phil demonstrates extreme versatility, an absolute necessity to survive in music in the 21st century. As well as being one of Chicago's truly flexible freelancers, Phil has the distinction of having developed and currently running a unique music contracting company, Royal Trumpet Works. On a busy event day like Christmas or Easter, Phil will book out as many as 30 or more musicians taking care of the hiring needs of churches all over the area. They also take care of wedding ceremonies and even wedding receptions. I've been working for Phil for almost two decades and look forward to many more. And yes, you heard that right. I said decades. Ha, I'm sticking with it. 
As mentioned, Phil contracts bands for receptions and corporate events as well. Just visit RoyalTrumpetWorks.com. That's RoyalTrumpetWorks, all one word, dot com, to find out more and see and hear samples of Phil's work. Now for the classical portion of today's program, let's hear Phil playing first trumpet on a well-known piece, Psalms 19, a.k.a. The Heavens Declare, by Benedetto Marcello. Next, here is a brief demo of Phil's solo work. He plays a more rondo and then also handles hornpipe from the Water Music Suite.
As you can hear, Phil is an accomplished, a polished piccolo trumpet player. It's an honor to work with Phil, and it's an honor to work for him. Don't forget, royaltrumpetworks.com. Go visit that site for all of your uh, you know, ceremonial trumpet work needs. Now, on to today's rock funk segment. I want to feature the music of John Tomasoni's band, Brass from the Past. Often touted as one of Chicago's best cover bands, it really is a lot more than that. Now, John took the liberty of sending me some history of the band, and I've got that edited in here, so this is just a quote from John Tomasoni's um, uh, Facebook message to me. So, quoting John. Brass from the Past started in 2008 for John Jr. and his buddies. They were moving on from Walter R. Sundling Jr. High and the Music Room Big Band. John G. used to run the big band for kids. Brass in the Past was meant to be uh, a vehicle to pass the 60s and 70s horn bands and any songs of that era that had great horn lines in them to the next generation. A few adults joined in to help out. As we tried to move forward with the kids, we soon realized that it was almost impossible to compete against the school activities, schedules, and things of that nature. We slowly started transitioning into an adult band, and here we are today. A result of my obsession to hear the sound of great horn bands, Brass in the Past was never meant to be a band for profit. Of course, as you and I know, I had to balance in a fair amount of good-paying gigs to keep the beast fed, keep good talent interested. The goal today is to give the great talent of Chicago a vehicle to display their talent. I have always seen myself as a patron of the arts and not a band leader. The goal has always been to produce a high-level quality product and to continue improving uh, as players and as a band. I have been lucky to find such a large group of like-minded, talented, committed people that have been willing to come along for the ride. My construction contracting business background came in very handy for building a band. Process is similar to building a house. Brass in the Past is the sixth crew I manage. Now that I've told a bit of John's story, I want to add that I played lead trumpet on that band for quite a few years and now enjoy substatus. One of the things that is really important to me in my work on this podcast is to support my fellow musicians. I want people to know who they are. So here is the current crew of BFTP. Vocals, Jeff Anthony, Paula Creech McKeevers, Kimberly Williams. Folks, these singers are truly wonderful. You've got to hear them. Okay, the horn section. John Tomasoni is a trumpeter and he's the leader of the band. Michael McGrath plays lead trumpet. Tom Forkenbrock plays trumpet. Jack Schmidt plays trombone. Doug Daniels covers alto and tenor sax. Joel Moore is a tenor sax player and tenor sax soloist. Kurt Anderson plays Barry Sax flute and does a lot of the arrangements for the band. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a deadly horn section rife with soloists and chops. The rhythm section is Sasa Brusen on guitar, a true beast on the instrument. Barrett Hasselwood plays bass. Robert Presley plays keyboards and does some of the vocals. On our concert this week, Thor Bremer, a longtime member of the band, will be playing drums. As with the rest of the band, the rhythm section is a truly accomplished crew. Now, on to today's track. Here's a Tower of Power version of Let's Stay Together. 
Now, before I play it, I need to toot my own horn a bit. And yeah, I actually just said that. On this track, I played the lead trumpet part on the recording session. So here is Al Green's Let's Stay Together.
okay, once again, as a trumpeter and as a lead trumpet player, I want credit for the last note. <laughs> I can't resist that. Now, this pod is getting uploaded on Wednesday, January 15th, 2020. Well, this Friday, January 17th, 2020, Brass in the Pass is playing a concert at Dirty Nelly's Irish Pub in Palatine, Illinois. I'll be subbing on lead trumpet that evening, so if you're from the area, please stop by. Just as a plug, I'll be giving away free copies of my CDs, No Man is an Island, and Junkyard Brass. Just catch up with me at Nelly's. The show starts at 8 p.m. In addition to playing at clubs, concerts, Brass in the Pass also does wedding receptions and corporate events. To find out more about the band, just visit BrassFromThePast.com. That's all one word, BrassFromThePast.com. There is plenty of info and media there. Finally, on to our jazz segment. Today's jazz artist is multi-saxophone player and composer Natalie Landy. Natalie is a graduate of the legendary jazz music program from Nutrier High School in Winnetka, Illinois, and has exhibited great skill even when a teenager. She went on to study jazz at college, culminating in her studies in composition and jazz studies at DePaul University. She currently teaches saxophone at Riverside Brookville High School. She is also a private instructor on piano and woodwinds at Music and Arts. Currently living in Chicago, Natalie plays with a great variety of bands as a freelance professional. I often run into her with the Shout Section Big Band. She also plays with the Eisenberg Uncertainty Players Orchestra, led by John Dorhauer. She also plays with a band called Billy and the Jets and with the Adam Meckler Big Band. This only scratches the surface of what any busy freelancer is doing in a market like Chicago's. Natalie also leads her own jazz sextet. Here are the members of the band. Natalie Landy covers all the saxophones and the compositions. Sarah Marie Young is the singer-vocalist. Sam Hasting, a brilliant musician, is playing guitar. Dan Pearson, another brilliant musician, plays piano and organ. The fine bass player John Sims is in the rhythm section. And Peter Mannheim, an absolutely phenomenal drummer, is covering, well, yeah, drums. This is a top-notch crew, as you're going to hear. The track we're going to feature is a title track of Natalie's CD, Learning How to Fly, composed by Natalie herself. Here it is, Learning How to Fly.
was running out of time A canary in a mine As I contemplate On the leap I have to make What if I drop to the ground Hesitation seeping in And then I close my eyes And spread my tattered wings As my anxiety peaks I ignore it my trembling knees and brace myself for what comes next and now i'm soaring through the moonlit sky i'm free As a band leader myself, Landy is one of the names that pops to the top of my list when I need to call a sax player. Natalie has a long, illustrious career ahead of her. Find her work at natalielandy.bandcamp.com. Now, that all may not be intuitive, so I'm going to spell it out, so hang in there. That's N-A-T-A-L-I-E-L-A-N-D-E dot B-A-N-D-C-A-M-P dot com. Oh, I didn't spell it com. <laughs> Live with it. Natalie Landy dot bandcamp dot com. Be sure to go visit that site. Buy her music. As you can hear, this is some really wonderful work. I just did a little improvised piece I called One Minute Funk, a funk brass band with tuba. Well, euphonium with my wolfing out some pedals on it. Uh, bass trumpets, flugelhorn, and trumpets all just overdubbed and faked together. Everything was totally faked. Uh, I just posted the video for this all over the place. In the video, I deliberately included some screen movies of the Logic Pro windows running in the background to give folks a little bit of an idea about how I do stuff. Now, I have sort of a mission as suggested in the editorial portion of today's show. Musicians of all stripes are wildly putting up videos everywhere of themselves playing to their smartphone or some other pocket media device in order to have their voices heard. I think this is great. It is part of what we are as musicians. I would, however, encourage people to take it a step further and beef up their performances. Now, I don't mean they need to practice and make their performances cleaner. Most of them are really good. I'm saying by not limiting their work to the sound of an iPhone microphone and the little audio processing system on a pocket media device. So here's a very brief discussion of how I put things together on this week's clip, One Minute Funk. Now some of this um, is going to be based on the notion that many of you will sort of understand things like overdubbing, if I use the expression overdubbing. So this is not intended to be some sort of class in home studio recording. Uh, for that, you can find things online all over the place. There are fantastic tutorials on YouTube, all for free. So that's, an, that's another hot topic, but we'll pick that up some other time. First, I use Logic Pro 10. Yes, most studio engineers gravitate towards Pro Tools, but I like Logic Pro because it's an Apple product and talks directly to Final Cut Pro. I'm a professional trumpet player, but I only engineer my own work, i.e. I don't sell studio time, 
so I'm content with LPX. Logic Pro automatically interfaces with something called GarageBand, a little application that comes bundled with all Apple uh, operating systems. Well, I started playing around with the loop library bundled therein and found a couple of drum tracks and just dropped them into an LPX work window. Here they are all alone. Next, I dug up an acoustic bass track and dropped it in. Here's the drum and bass track mixed together. Finally, I put up my Shure microphone, a Shure KSM 313 ribbon mic, and hooked up my headphones and started faking parts till I heard something I like. Then I hit record. I multi-tracked multi an old process, each part once, and played around with stereo spread a bit to add some color. Finally, I improvised a flugel solo. Now, if you watch the video online, it might look like I'm reading something on my solo. I wasn't. I was watching the waveforms going by, looking for holes to fill. Working with loops like this is extremely limiting. If you want to do real chord changes, this is not the way to go. This is why I kept this to one minute, sort of like a jingle or something like that. There is a way to do amazing rhythm section chord changes digitally if you can't afford a rhythm section, but I'll cover that in another pod. So here's the final version of One Minute Funk, audio only, of course, a cobbled together clip that I slapped together in a couple of afternoons. Enjoy. I want to start the editorial portion with a short poem. Uh, this is Hope by Emily Dickinson. Now, I'm not exactly an orator, so I'm just going to read this thing. Don't judge the poetry by my own reading of it. Hope by Emily Dickinson. Hope is a thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that keeps so many warm. I've heard it in the chillest land 
and on the strangest sea, yet never an extremity it asked a crumb of me. Almost a year ago, I had an exploratory rehearsal for a variable D postulate big band. As a matter of fact, Natalie Landy played lead alto that evening. I wanted to see if I could muster a truly diverse crew, racially, chronologically, age-wise, and gender-wise. In that regard, I pulled it off, and the band reading session was just great. I was also exploring how I felt and played under the pressure of doing something like this all alone. I have no music director, no librarian or band manager. That was a little tough on me. It did take a toll on my playing for the evening, but I got through it. The band, however, sounded fantastic. Nevertheless, I was encouraged. Then it hit me. A bit of depression and confusion about how the heck I was going to put this all into play in a meaningful way. Was I going to just record a video demo and then go begging the nightclubs to let them come in and play for nothing, i.e. play for the door or even passing the hat? How was I going to build an audience for a big band jazz art uh, music project? While there are clubs that will let you play what you want, I would still be under pressure to staff a big band with virtually no budget whatsoever. There's a model for this already in place everywhere. I can ask musicians to play rehearsals for free and gigs and bars for next to nothing. From personal experience as a sideband, I know the free rehearsals will fall apart almost immediately and become spottily attended at best. Gigs that only pay 30 or $40 will quickly become the bastion for subs. The ability to play really challenging, difficult music that does not read down well will become taxed uh, under those circumstances. On top of this, as a trumpet soloist, I want to play many, though not all, of the big trumpet feature numbers. I feel I have a lot to give in this regard, but I'm not Maynard Ferguson or Doc Severson. Why should I expect my local peers to back my play like that? The upset is the only way to really accomplish what I want to do is to budget some sort of income for the musicians. Therein lies the rub. Money. Financing. I've had quite a few conversations with the folks who made the rehearsal. Most of them to whom I've spoken told me they'd gladly come on board with this business model regardless of how speculative it is. To date, I haven't been able to find it in myself to ask a bunch of top-flight musicians to come play in a band with music as tough as my library is just to back me up with virtually no possibility of pay. I'm no longer really in a position to pitch wedding gigs or jobbing, so I find myself at an impasse. In one of my conversations, we lamented the idea that any real business venture follows the model that entrepreneurs get their backers in place and then hire staff to develop the business and use articles of incorporation to protect themselves if the whole project you know, ups and fails. Any business except music, apparently. Personally, I have trouble with the ethics and morality of extracting the talents of these amazing musicians from nothing. So at the moment, I'm stuck. Don't really know quite what to do. Now, recently, one of my conversations got a bit more personal. My friend and I both commented on the idea that we occasionally feel downright depressed about our work, as musicians in general, and as trumpeters specifically. Why do we even bother to practice? 
my friend even voiced the idea that maybe we should just hang it up, or perhaps even more alluded to it. He didn't specifically say it. When he said, why do I bother to practice? I found myself literally blurting out, because you love it. I actually had to catch my breath because I got, I got pretty choked up. I couldn't even look at him. As the conversation continued, we noted that things were not so much different now from what it was when we were kids. As to our age, let's just say we both had draft numbers from the lottery. You can do the math. In any case, I remember feeling anxiety, not knowing where my life and career in music was going to lead. What would be my next step? Would I ever have a really fulfilling career as a trumpeter? Since I retired from my day gig as a high school physics teacher to get back to my original career as a trumpeter full-time, I find myself facing almost the identical set of feelings and questions. Yes, things have changed and mutated a bit because of the internet, file sharing, and streaming, but the basic positions are pretty close to the same. Yet I, we, my buddy and I, didn't remember the sense of depression that tries to take hold now as something we experienced back then. What seems to be missing now that we had back then? I'm sure you can see it coming. Hope. When one has been in the business fighting the good fight for 30 or 40 years and still struggling, it's easy and even tempting to just succumb to a sense of hopelessness and just hang it all up. There is a solution, though. It's right in front of our noses, and I even brought it up already. It was in the answer to the question, why do we uh, do this even though we don't seem to have a means of being heard? The answer, because we love it. That is where the hope lives. Back in the day, I didn't know if I was ever going to be anything but a Mickey Mouse trumpet player. But then I ended up on Maynard Ferguson's band, and that validation helped launch my career. I never lost hope, though even though I didn't really see the path. However, the hope helped me stay alert to the possibilities and take the path when I quite literally stumbled across it. Now, over the decades, the music biz has changed, and I find myself at a similar crossroads. I have no idea how I'm going to fund my projects. I don't know what the means of being heard will even look like. Times being what they are, it seems a little hopeless. With the love we have for our work as musicians, hope stays perched in our souls and sings without stopping. The Internet has actually got an almost infinite number of possibilities for us all to explore. By realizing that our love and hope go hand in hand, we can all be alert to the solutions when they cross our paths. It is our love for music that keeps hope alive. Thus ends this show's pontification portion. I hope some of this might be somewhat inspiring, and I do hope maybe it'll give you some ideas to kind of contemplate and use to perhaps find a sense of direction with projects you might be considering yourself. Now, just a quick comment I want to interject here. Uh, I write a blog, and it's on my website at www.nickdrawsdoff.com. Many of the blog posts that I have written kind of come at some of these things, and with a little more detail and a little more specifically. Uh, If if there's anything that seems like perhaps was not fleshed out 
in this uh, short discussion here, visit the uh, com and check out the blog. Folks, that's it for this episode of Variable D Postulate Projects. Please subscribe to the podcast and look for it with the new name. I plan on posting much more frequently now that I have total control of the show. Uh, two to three weeks separation at most. Till then, this is your friendly neighborhood studio man saying, keep up the music. Peace.